Hello, everyone, and welcome to our week's episode of Bible Ask Live, where we answer your Bible questions live here on our show. I'm Tina with my friends Jane Wendy. Hi. Hello. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, too blessed. I, last week I said too blessed to be stressed, and I had another one and I forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> too blessed to be messed. Too, <laughs> too blessed to be stressed. And now I'm just blessed. <laughs> Thank God. God is good. Um, so God we're so excited. <laughs> he is good. So we're so excited tonight to answer not only some of the comments that have come in over the past few weeks, but also some new questions that came in as well. So before we get into that, uh, Wendy or Jay, would you guys mind having a quick word of prayer? Sure. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this conclusion of the work week and pray now that you'll be with us as we open up your word. May your spirit be with those of us uh, discussing and those listening. And again, may just your, your words be heard and convict us, Lord, of your truth. And this we pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. 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 So before we get started, we just want to let everybody know or remind everyone that we are live. So if you have a comment or a question that you want to um, ask or say right now, uh, you're welcome to do that down in the comment section or just say hi, where you're from, how you're doing. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and Jay or Wendy, anything you want to add to that? No. Nope. No. Just, yeah. Shout out. Who's here? We'd love to yeah. hear from you. Yeah, we got some really great Yay. friends that have been here every week. So we're really blessed mm -hmm. to have you here again. Um, if you're joining us once again or for the first time, we'd love to hear from you still. And also, um, real quick, uh, we just want to remind everyone also that we are on not only Facebook, but YouTube and um, Twitch. So, and we're, our pod we're also on podcasts. So if you want to hear this show or any other shows, um, maybe just while you're driving or anything like that, feel free to look us up on those social media platforms or on podcasts, just type in Bible Ask. And if you have a question you'd like answered on our show, be sure to go to BibleAsk.org forward slash live, and you can just submit your question there. All right, without further ado, Wendy, can you bring us up our first question? Yes, let's go ahead and get that up here. All right, so the first uh, question, Linus is asking, my question is, how many sons of Jacob and why he take two sons of his son Joseph becomes his children? Okay. So uh, I, I think I could clarify this before uh, you answer, <laughs> Tina. Please do. So <laughs> there was a situation in, in, in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, which you probably talk about, where Joseph brings his two sons to to his father Jacob, and Jacob adop, uh, blesses him and adopts them as his children, which has huge ramifications for going forward for who's the children of Israel. And uh, Tina, I guess now answer why, what did Jacob do what he did? Sure. Well, to answer the first part of the question, um, our friend first asks, how many sons did Jacob have? And the question, the answer in the Bible is 12. If you go to Genesis chapter 35, in verse 22, um, it says, basically, and it came to pass when Israel, who was Jacob, because remember Jacob, he wrestled with God for the night, and he, um, God renamed him Israel, because Jacob meant liar. And then when he wrestled with God and admitted, you know, who he was, he admitted his name, 
that he was a liar, um, God said, no, now your name is Israel, which means prince of God. So um, God renamed him, which was just kind of a beautiful um, blessing that he gave to him. Um, and it says, so speaking, when you say Jacob and Israel, it's the same person. So again, Genesis 35, 22 says, and it came to pass when Israel dwelt in that land that Reuben, um, which was um, his oldest son, lay with his brother's concubine and Israel heard it. Now the sons of Jacob were 12. So again, um, Israel and Jacob are the same person, but they ha he had 12 sons. And let's just say his sons were not all perfect. <laughs> and there was definitely some, <laughs> <Nope>. issues, <laughs> some issues with them. Very but dysfunctional family. Very dysfunctional. And I mean, from basically four different moms. And so whenever you have, you know, uh, blended family, there's going to be issues. And when there's, you know, sin in the family, it definitely, you know, keeps things going. And just like, you know, you were saying, Jay, um, that's exactly right. What happened was, you know, we read about in uh, Genesis chapter 48, verse five is kind of what happened as far as um, the story with um, Jacob basically adopting the two sons of Joseph. And so if you read in Genesis chapter 45 and ver or 48, excuse me, Genesis 48, verse five, it reads, um, and now your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine as Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. So Reuben and Simeon were the older sons of Jacob. So Jacob is basically saying, look, Joseph, I know you're like the second to youngest son, but you are so valuable to me that I want to adopt your sons just as my own and basically give them a blessing. Now, the thing with this is um, kind of why did he do that? Now, it's kind of interesting. At least this is my take on, on the story. Um, when you look in the line of, you know, it's um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, they always talk about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, what happened with Abraham? His sin was that, remember, he, um, he's, you know, he, God promised him a son, but he kind of took things into his own hands. And he ended up having a son with his uh, wife's handmaid, who was um, Ishmael. And, be, and eventually God did give him a son, Isaac, but God, you know, Abraham favored that son. And so there was always problems between Ishmael and I, um, Isaac, so much so that he had to send Isaac and his mom away. Um, and basically <laughs> Ishmael and his descendants gave problems to God's people for generations to come. And so it was that favoritism in that you see with Abraham, um, with his son, Isaac, and um, Ishmael. And so that kind of got passed down. And you look at Isaac, he had the two sons, Jacob and Esau, and he favored Esau, but mom kind of favored Isaac or Jacob. And so just this, this playing favorites caused this rivalry and um, just problems in the family. And then again, you see now Jacob playing favorites, which he'd already played favorites with Joseph before, um, and even Benjamin, but now again, playing favorites with Joseph and blessing only his sons and adopting them. So um, why he did that, it's just this problem in the family, just that kind of got, I feel, passed down in generations of playing favorites with your kids and that never plays out well. Um, and God what's interesting too is he, mm -hmm. he blesses Joseph's younger son, just like yeah. Jacob was the younger. So he yeah. also switches things there too. 
Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, we presume it's through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and that was, you know, what God had wanted. Jacob and, couldn't I mean, force God to bless someone God wouldn't want to. No, absolutely. But at the same time, like, you know, what's his name? Isaac blessed Jacob, and he wasn't supposed to. But we know that, you know, Jacob, in a sense, was the, you know, the more spiritual one who really wanted the birthright, but he went about it the wrong way. Um, exactly. So he God didn't trust can... God to work it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, God is so merciful in that he sometimes works out his will, even with our, you know, our mistakes. But I just think, you know, um, at least what I always get out of these stories is just, you know, God has a perfect will and then he has a permissive will, <laughs> which is, you exactly. know, if things would have been perfectly, you know, things would have, you know, there, there wouldn't have been so many problems. And we can, the, the lesson we can glean from this is, you know, if we trust God to do things perfectly, um, he will. And, um, but even if we've made mistakes, that doesn't mean there's no hope. We can always turn to God and God can make things right in the end. So anyways, that, that's my two cents. I don't know if you have anything else to say. Yeah. I mean, I would say that, so why he blessed Joseph. Yeah. Joseph was his favorite son, but, but if we look at things, I think he was also in God's eyes, the favorite of the children. And then God blesses Joseph with, like, even though he had two sons, like they become, each one becomes a separate tribe of Israel, or they refer mm-hmm. to it as a half tribe. Mm-hmm. And they just get that big. So, and, and later on, Joseph actually does bless all 12 of the sons. Actually, some mm-hmm. almost get like a curse in their blessing, but, but Joseph, I think is referred to as like the prince amongst his brothers. And so I think I see that as God blessing Joseph for his faithfulness in his life and giving him such a huge prosperous family. But it's really interesting because the birthright always followed um, or seemed to come with being the priest of the family. Mm-hmm. And so jo- Jacob died and then Joseph probably became the next priest of God, probably, or at least for that family. But then mm-hmm. later on, we don't see that. It just fizzles out. <laughs> yeah. And I mean... A- I was going to say, to me, that's a really interesting thing to figure out and why did that happen, but... Yeah, no, for sure. And and I definitely see, you know, in, in the story of, of this lineage of, you know, Abraham, because obviously he's like the father of our faith and um, because, you know, he believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. So it's it's by faith that he, he saved. And it's just kind of this example, of, you know, faith in God. And that's really what matters with God, not physical mm-hmm. things. And I see that. Um, throughout the lineage because you know like with Jacob and Esau like Esau was the oldest brother physically he should have got the birthright but spiritually he wasn't capable of it he didn't even want it and so God did allow you know Jacob to get the birthright and same thing with Ishmael and Isaac I mean technically Ishmael was older and he should have but he didn't Mm -hmm. because he was spiritually you know it wasn't for him. And so you, and you see that again with, you know, Jacob's 12 sons, Reuben. his oldest son, Reuben. Oh, what a mess. Yeah. I mean, that was such a big <laughs> point you made there, which is so right. It's interesting because yeah, Jacob sounds like would have given it to Reuben if he hadn't done such a horrible thing. Yeah. He did some pretty bad stuff. <laughs> he was a murderer and just yeah. a player and all kinds of things. So, but yeah. And I think that that's, you know, God says, you know, not by strength, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so, again, it, you know, God is about, you know, who's humble, who's, you know, more Christ-like. And that's who God, you know, he who's least in the in 
the world will be greatest in the kingdom. And so we always need to remember that we need to be humble. And, you know, it's not about how things look or, you know, physical thing like, you know, oh, my dad is, a, you know, a pastor or whatever. That doesn't really matter. It's about exactly. you and your heart and your, you know, being humble. With and that's God. so huge. Yeah. God is no respecter of persons. I know you <laughs> quote that all the time, and that's just so true. It's not how we're born that matters in God's eyes. Yeah, exactly. So, anyways. <laughs> we have a couple people that joined us. Give a welcome to Olivia, who's back with us again, and also to uh, Philippe. Philippe. From uh, College Jail. I oh. love College Jail. Beautiful. Yeah, it's so a great, great to have you guys with us this evening. Thanks for mm -hmm. shout out. And if you're just tuning in now, please uh, say hello. We'll love to give you a shout out. Yes. Or, and if you have questions, drop them. Love to answer them on the, on the fly even. So mm -hmm. those are usually the best questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and get our next question up here. So Daniel is asking, may I ask you questions about your faith? Be ready always. Um, and then I think we actually had another one just like that. Um, do we want to do that? Daniel's question also? Two questions, one answer. stone. If we need a minute to get that up, I can at least start answering it and then we can address the other yeah, one. Go ahead. Sure. So, I mean, to me, it sounds like you're... Um, Quoting 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Um, and 1 Peter 3.15 states, you know, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And so um, as far as you know, just always being ready to to give an answer, um, you know, that's what we're called to do. We're called to always be ready, you know. But the, before you're even ready to answer or give an answer, the, what it says first in the verse is to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. So to sanctify is to make holy or set apart or make special. So you really need to make God, <laughs> have him sit on the throne, make a special place for God in your heart. And I always like to think of God sitting on the throne of our hearts. Basically, you know, it's not just that we say, okay, well, we read some verses so I can answer. And it's not just about knowing the Bible, you know, like memorizing verses. Mm -hmm. It's about having God living inside of you and just really being like, God, I welcome you into my life, into my heart. Fill me with your spirit and change me. So, and make me ready to receive, you know, your thoughts and your mind um, in myself so I can reflect you to those around me. Um, and then, you know, we can be ready to, to speak to others about our faith because I don't know about you, but I've met people who knew a lot of the Bible and they could answer out of the Bible, but their spirit was not right. And I really think that, you know, the spirit that we speak to people and um, how we answer questions is like the first and foremost, uh, most important part of, you know, being ready to, to answer um, anything about when it comes to spiritual matters of the Bible or about God is that sanctified in our hearts and that he's, you know, um, he's, he's in our hearts first of all. And um, we put him at the right level that we give him the respect and the, the importance and the uh, reverence that he deserves in our lives. Now, I think there was a, a, an additional part to this question, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, and I think we have it ready. Okay. Sounds Let's go good. ahead and... And it's actually by, I believe, the same person, because both are asked by Daniel. Okay, so oh. Daniel's asking, what church are you a part of? And to so, that, I would... your faith in what church? Okay, so as far as our faith in church, I mean, our faith is in the Bible and the Word of God. And as far as Bible Ask goes, um, we as a ministry are not affiliated with any church or denomination. We're simply um, just Bible-believing Christians who want to share our faith in the Word of God. So as far as Bible Ask goes, um, like I said, we're... We're not part of a denomination or a church, um, but we do recommend that, you know, you find yourself a church to attend and to be a part of. I think church family is very important um, And the Bible, obviously, you know, tells us that we should assemble and not forsake the assembling of ourselves in worship to God. So that's that would be my answer to that. Amen. And, and a first pops yeah. to my mind, but I um, but basically when it comes to, um, you know, what faith are we of? The Bible is very clear in, um, the, in the teachings of Paul in Ephesians chapter four, verse five, it says, you know, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And so we're all part of the body of Christ, whether or not we're in the same church, it doesn't really matter. Cause I know that there's a lot of division in, in Christianity because there's different churches and different denominations, but we at Bible ask are not really, honestly <laughs> concerned but you know we don't limit ourselves to one church or anything we just want to study with people who want to study the bible and so and we all worship the same lord which is the lord jesus christ um and his father in heaven the one our one faith and one baptism you know we're all baptized into the same faith which is you know into the truth of jesus christ so that's what i would say to that and you know what's interesting like for me uh I always like think of myself as like a follower of the way mm -hmm. it, the the Bible talks about, especially around right after Jesus left, the disciples will talk about the way that's what they're referring to the religion. It's not, um, they're not Christians and Christian comes on later, almost like people are mocking them. Oh, you're Christ Christians, just like yes. <laughs> some people used to call Muslims Mohammedans, you know, so it was sort of that same thing, but but yeah, I like the concept of the way. And then you go back, you read the Bible. Everything is about God showing you the way. Jesus says, mm -hmm. I am the way. Mm -hmm. And I, I really like the idea of just going back, this being true to the Bible. That's the true religion. Not something that maybe we've stacked 2,000 years of traditions onto. Amen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And, you know, to the question of to give an account, for your faith, I, I have a, a little piece to share on that, which is the, the reason for my faith, because I was not raised in a church, but the reason for my faith is God working in my life in so many ways over the years and then revealing scripture to me where, you know, because I didn't grow up reading the Bible, so I didn't know a lot of these verses and God would would give, would say something to me or give me um direction on something and then i would later find that in the bible and um that to me is the reason for my faith and my belief in the word of god amen amen all right let's go ahead and get our next question up here yeah so barbara is 
uh, saying, you start out with grace alone, then you added law. Read the comments. It's confusion, and God is not the author of confusion. I believe grace, God's free gift, period. Why? Because we are living in the dispensation of grace till the rapture, seven years tribulation. Jesus returns to earth and his kingdom where he will rule and reign. Okay. So no law. Um, <laughs> so um, to my sister who's uh, writing this, if do you guys mind if I jump in on this or? Unless go for Jay, it. You have... Okay. No, go so, for it. All right. So as far as, you know, saved by grace, of course we're saved by grace. Um, the Bible is very, very clear that we're saved by grace and not by works. If you look at um, Ephesians chapter two, verse eight, it says, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So we at Bible Ask are never saying that we're saved by works or by keeping the law. We're, we're never, ever saying that. Um, however, what we do say is, you know, what does the Bible say? And Jesus says, like in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. So it's not that we keep God's law or, you know, basically obey Jesus. We don't obey Jesus so that we are saved. We obey Jesus because we are saved. Because Jesus has saved us by his grace through faith, that's why we say in turn, we, you know, we love you, God. Thank you so much for saving us by your free gift. We now want to, you know, follow you. And in so doing, you know, in keeping a healthy relationship, we want to do, you know, what you're asking of us. And Can I, I interrupt that, right there? Because I just yeah. want to emphasize what you said is just so huge. And I think that right there is one of the most important concepts that most people gr struggle with and don't understand. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, if you're obeying God and trying to please God just because you want to please God, you think you need to, so you live forever, that is worst-based religion. That is awful, awful living. That's mm -hmm. not what God wants. And so as Tina yeah. says, like the secret to to happy relationship with God and one that is not worst-based is loving God and through that love, keeping his commandments. And ironically, maybe you'll, you'll go on, we'll circle back on where I was going to go, but I just wanted everybody pause and think about what you just said, because it is so important. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I'm glad I got a team. <laughs> got my brother and sister got my back. <laughs> and, you know, um, Barbara, I want to just kind of also reiterate something. So, you know, when it comes to, you know, the covenant, the new covenant um, that God calls us to, um, that still is includes the law. And you read about that first in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33, which reads, you know, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. So, you know, he's saying, I'm, we're, we're going to put away the old covenant of, you know, all those Levitical laws and ceremonies. But he says, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel or with God's people. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God, and they shall be my people. And what's so interesting is Paul actually goes on to um, reiterate this, the same exact verse in the book of Hebrews. Um, and the thing was, like, you, you know, when you love God, it's, you know, it's not that, you know, I'm like thinking, oh, I better not do this you know, break this commandment because then God's going to punish me. He's going to take away my salvation. No, it's more that God just 
creates within us a, a new heart and gives us this new heart where his law is already in there and we're guided by his Holy Spirit in, you know, in our conscience. And like I said, um, you know, in Hebrews chapter eight, verse 10, and again, in 10, verse 16, you know, Paul reiterates this new covenant that, you know, Jesus makes with his people that he writes his law in their hearts. So if his law is in our hearts, um, you know, we can't help but keep it because God's put it there. And so it's not that God, you know, requires this, you know, as, you know, our us to, to work for our salvation. But again, it's, it's just part of the free gift. Now you're saying that the second piece to your question is that, you know, we are just waiting for the, the rapture to come. And to that, I would say, you know, my sister, I'm not sure. I do believe in a rapture, but I don't believe in the rapture as far as the, you know, the very popular the theology. secret rapture. Yeah, the secret rapture, because there is nothing secret about the rapture that God has. You know, it's it, as it reads in First Thessalonians 4, that, you know, God's going to come with a trumpet and he, he's going to say with a loud noise, you know, with the, the sound of an archangel, as it says in Jude, and, you know, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then those that are alive and remain shall be caught together with him. So shall we ever be with the Lord. So, and there's no other, you know, that that's the only rapture that is spoken yeah, of. In and Revelation, Bible. Revelation 1, 7, behold, he cometh with the clouds and every eye shall see him. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, not going to be a surprise event. No, it's definitely not, not a surprise mm -hmm. at all. And there's nowhere in the Bible where it says, you know, God's people who are good, really good, go first. And then seven years later, God's people or people that get saved in this seven years of tribulation, then yeah. have a second chance. There is no second chance. And my sister, I would really, really warn you because I believe that this is one of the biggest deceptions of the devil, because it's basically saying that there's going to be a chance after the second coming of Christ. And believe you me, there is not a second chance after the coming of Christ. Once he comes, that's it. In Revelation 22, Jesus says, I come and my reward is with me. That's it. That's the reward is when he comes. There's not going to be some other time that, you know, there's another chance for you to get the, get your act together and be saved. He that's came as a lamb and now he comes as a lion. Exactly. And it's very, very dangerous, I believe, to to think that, you know, oh, we can just, you know, do whatever we want and eventually get our, our act together. That's I, I'm again, I, I would really be <laughs> weary of that because um, I think that that's a false doctrine. And I think that, you know, that comes from the devil who wants you to, you know, think, be, be comfortable, become lukewarm, um, as it says in Revelation chapter three, when you need to be um, either hot or cold, either on fire for the Lord or, or get out of the way <laughs> because we can't have this so so Christianity that's just kind of watering down the truth. Um, yeah, and, and following up on that, you know, the lukewarm is really getting to, I think, are you loving God or not? Because God then says, you know, buy of me gold tried in the fire, which that's faith, but also love. And um, it's interesting if we go to Mark 12, verse 30, or, or sorry, Mark 12, verse 29, because Jesus has been asked, you know, what's the greatest of the commandments or the first of the commandments? In verse 29, Jesus says, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love him. All right, next verse. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Mm -hmm. And then the next verse reads, 
And Jesus says, and the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So if we say there's no law, so well, Jesus is saying if the law really at a core is love, loving God and loving others, and then we say there's no law, well, mm. why, how are we going to treat each other? What, what Can we just get away with anything then? Can mm -hmm. we steal? Is that okay? Can we murder? Is that okay? Can we rape? Is that okay? Can we... Um, you know, lie, is that okay? I mean, just go down the list. At some point, we realize, no, all those things still need to be in place because that's important for us to have a relationship with others, to be able to coexist with each other and to be able to coexist with God, who is love. Mm -hmm. You know, and yeah. so then we come to like Romans verses uh, 13, starting at verse 8. Oh, no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth one another has fulfilled fulfilled the law. Love is fulfillment mm -hmm. of the law because law requires love. Mm -hmm. Law is love. So, mm -hmm. so the Ten Commandments are showing us how to love. Mm -hmm. You know, if you love God, you're not going to have any other uh, gods before him. You're not going to worship any other gods. You're not going to make graven images. You're not going to use his name in vain. You're not going to disrespect, disrespect him. And you're going to be present with him on the day he says that's that's special to him and he wants to spend time with you. Amen. Right? Are we saying those things aren't don't exist? We don't we're not bound to do that if we if we love God. So we need to really think through the implications of what we say. So yeah, I mean, we don't believe that people will save themselves by keeping the law. As we said earlier, like we keep it because we love God. And why do we love God? As, as we're told in 1 John, the, the letter of 1 John, he says, we love him because he first loved us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not until we understand the love of God, really spend time with God, again, soaking in his love, that we even have the capacity to love him back mm -hmm. and to love others. And, and that's the problem, is so many of us are trying to fulfill the law out of our own strength, mm -hmm. out of our own love. And we're never able to do it. We're mm -hmm. always going to fail. And the New Testament is God writing the law, writing the love on our hearts mm -hmm. and making us a loving person in his image, mm -hmm. in his loving image. Mm -hmm. That's that's the New Testament. That's what God's trying to tell us. Mm -hmm. God wants us to live like Jesus, love people like Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's that's the gospel. And that's what we're preaching here on yeah. Bible Ask. Yeah, and I would I would also add too, I mean, if 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 there was only grace and no law, which of the laws are we gonna get rid of? Because I don't think most of us wanna live in eternity with a bunch of people who are harming everybody and you know, mm -hmm. hating and murdering and yeah. doing wicked and evil. Like if you had kids and one just keeps up beating up the others would you I, allow that to keep yeah. happening or would you do something to separate that and, and you'll keep giving them chances to reform, right? But That's you're not grace. going to allow constant destruction to continue yeah. to happen. Because that's so, ungraceful to the other kids. Exactly. It's it's very ungraceful. So yeah, it's it, you know, there has to be some there has to be law, but God's grace is the goal of his grace is to draw us closer to yeah. living in and abiding within his law by but out of love and that law again is just so perfect it's yeah. so beautiful it's so wise because like if we really study the law again like which is at its core love 
it mm -hmm. it should just amaze us mm -hmm. and as a lawyer i say this because our laws here on this earth are so oppressive mm -hmm. so crazy so numerous so volum voluminous like you know no one attorney can devote his whole life to even understand them all mm -hmm. let alone you know an average, average person, person. <laughs> who's presumed to know it all and must obey it all i mean it's terrible what we have to live with yet god's law makes so much sense it's so beautiful so simple yeah. uh, we, they, if we love god we're just going to love it too mm -hmm. that's that's how it really should be yeah no i, I agree and the, uh, sorry go ahead um no we have a comment oh do we i just wanted to i was just gonna just wait. okay I thought of one last, <laughs> one last story <laughs> in the Bible that, you know, when we're talking about, you know, being saved by grace and, you know, it's, it's by grace that we live and that grace changes us. And that's the thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I think so many people, um, like Paul talks about, you know, not turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, which is just like living however you want and just living in lust and, and do whatever you want. And like, I think of that, that parable that Jesus um, says, and I'm sorry, I, I'm not, it's not coming to me exactly where it is, but it's the story of, you know, the servant who owed a great debt to his Lord. And um, the Lord said, Hey, you need to pay me this. And he said, you know, I'll work, I'll do whatever. And, you know, I'll, I'll pay off the debt, you know, just give me a chance, you know, don't sell me into slavery. And so the Lord says, you know what, because you asked, I'll forgive you this humongous debt. And, you know, it was like a hundred, a ton of, you know, gold or something that he, he owed him. But a then thousand later, talents. Yeah. A thousand which is talents. more than a person could ever make in a lifetime. Exactly. It was like millions of dollars. And then, you know, he then turns around and finds somebody who owes him like nothing, you know, like maybe like 50 bucks and, and is like, pay me what you owe. And he, and he says, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll do what I can. And the guy says no and throws him in jail and doesn't show him that same grace for just a tiny debt. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the Lord finds out about it and says, you know, I forgave you this huge debt because you asked me, you can't even forgive this guy, this little thing. And, you know, because the whole thing was, and then, you know, he ends up being cast into darkness. And the thing is, you know, I think it's the same with us. Like the, the grace of God is, is what's supposed to change us into being forgiving and loving people. And if that grace doesn't change you, then it hasn't worked what it was supposed to do. And you're going to end up lost because yeah. you're not mm -hmm. allowing that grace to work in your heart. And that's the whole point. And literally that grace, the Bible uses the word grace for God's transforming power in our life too. Mm -hmm. It's not yeah. just God's forgiveness, it's God's enabling us by his spirit to mm -hmm. follow his law. The Bible outright says that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just wanted to add one more thing too, because I think um, a lot of a lot of people who have lived in a fire and brimstone environment that is all law and no grace, when we come to know God's grace, it, it you know, it, it we find life there, right? We completely find life. And the continued preaching of the law can be really like a tra traumatizing thing. And it, and so I, I understand asking this question or having this, this perspective because there was a there was a time in my life too that i i could not handle people preaching the law because i had 
heard it in a fire and brimstone way for too long and I hadn't really heard grace and grace is what transformed me grace is what what um what saved me and what made me love caused me to love God and to desire God's ways mm-hmm. and at that phase of my journey uh the 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 preaching of law was was triggering and and so I think it's important that we acknowledge this and recognize this that it's okay to it to to recognize that there's a place in our life and there there may be a place in our life and experiences where because of what we've experienced in the past uh, we need to focus on something different to receive and and go through the changes that we need to experience and go through and so if you are in that space you know i don't want you to walk away from this thinking that like you have to go back to that fire and brimstone version of the law because that is not the biblical version of the law and if that's what you're experiencing then you know yes do away with that from you from from your heart your soul everything your mind because that is not god's law god's law is a loving law and a gracious law that is long suffering and patient and wanting everyone to come to repentance and to convert and to live according to his law of love and that law is the law that exists and that we are saying exists forever and will exist forever and that we are called to to live according to so Mm -hmm. i just wanted to put that out there yeah no i think that that's that goes along so perfectly with you know um with you know what the bible is trying to say and like um a verse just popped in my head that that's one i've always liked because it really helped me understand that balance um and it's in titus chapter 2 verses 11 and 12 it says for the grace of god that brings salvation. So, you know, it's by grace are you saved. The grace of God brings salvation has appeared to all men. And verse 12 goes on to explain this grace and says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So it's God's grace that teaches us how to, you know, live righteously. And we know that all his commandments are righteousness, um, which is what the book of Psalms says. So if we're supposed to live righteously, that's, you know, lawfully, but we can only do that by the grace and love of God. So I, I totally love what you just said, Wendy. And, and I think that's so on point with what the Bible is trying, the spirit of what the Bible is trying to say, uh, you know, yeah. as far as, you know, God's law. Um, Amen. And we do have a couple of comments. We'll go ahead and yeah. pop up here real quick. Uh, Nancy is saying, he gives us many chances all through our lives. And now is the time to choose salvation. So Jesus can reward us when he comes. Amen. Exactly. Amen. And then we have another one here. Felipe says, freely you have received, freely give. Matthew 10, 8. Yes. Yep. And as we receive grace, we should show it to others. Yep. Amen. Exactly. All right. Let's go ahead and get our next question up here. Thanks for the comments. Yes. Yeah. Keep them coming. Yeah. Oh, Oh, that's really tiny. I I can't read that. So that's a little better. All right. So Jesus rose. So Thomas is saying Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week. Jesus appeared to the disciples on the first day of the week. 
and these are all cited, but I'm not going to read them all in detail. Jesus appeared inside the room to the 11 disciples eight days after the first day of the week. The Jewish way of measuring days meant that it was again Sunday. The Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, the first day of the week. The first sermon was preached by Peter on the first day of the week. 3,000 converts joined the church on the first day of the week. 3,000 uh, 3, were baptized on the first day of, of the week. The Christians assembled, broke bread on the first day of the week. The Christians also heard a message from Paul on the first day of the week. Note, the reference is until midnight, which is not the Jewish method of measuring days, but the Roman system. Paul instructed the churches to put aside contributions on the first day of the week. Jesus gave the apostle John the vision of revelation on the first day of the week. All right, my friend. I'm not entirely clear on what the question is here. I think my friend, my friend Thomas is saying here is, you know, we've definitely promoted that, you know, the seventh day Sabbath is still binding as it's written by God's finger in his law in stone. And, you know, God blessed it at creation. Jesus kept it when he was alive. And it says in Isaiah 66 that we're going to keep it in heaven. So we're pretty clear from Bible asks that we believe in the keeping of the seventh day Sabbath. That's just stated in the Bible. Now, what our friend Thomas seems to be saying is, well, look at all these verses pointing to the first day of the week after, um, you know, Jesus was crucified. And so I, I hear you. And so Thomas, I want to start with a verse um, for you in Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight. And it reads basically Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever right? <laughs> so um, let's think about very far yesterday as far as creation, where it talks about the first day of the week. And at, in Genesis uh, 1, basically in verse 3, it says, God said, let there be light and there was light, correct? So the first day of the week, God had a plan. He's like at the beginning in creation, the first day his work was to say, let there be light. And I would say that many of these instances, as far as, you know, Jesus um, starting, you know, after Jesus, you know, resurrected on the first day, it was, he was starting, you know, saying, let there be light, you know, the Pentecost being on the first day, let there be light. This mirrors his work of creation. And there's so many things on the first day that did happen that were good things. They're not bad things. They're works of God or they're works of the disciples, but they are not a Sabbath because a Sabbath means to rest. It means to stop means to not work. And so at creation, again, in Genesis chapter two, verses or chapter two, verses two and three, it says, and the seventh day, God rested from all his work, works, which God created and made, and he blessed it and hallowed it. So he made that day holy at creation yet again. And throughout the life of Jesus, Jesus, you know, rests on the Sabbath. You see his disciples resting on the Sabbath. Um, the only thing, and, and you know, these verses are not wrong that these disciples did things on the Sabbath. They did break bread. But it also, um, if you look at that verse where you're saying they break bread. But does that mean anything? It, but they broke bread every yeah. single day. They said they broke bread yeah. daily. And so breaking yeah. bread was a daily thing. It wasn't anything set aside for like a, like a worship service. It was just them getting together and eating or, you know, maybe doing a communion service or whatever, but it wasn't exactly. something that was um, an, an act of worship. Um, they were very communal living together. I mean, you have 70 people in one room for like what, pretty much 40 days, right? Before Pentecost. 
10 days, if I'm not mistaken, because oh, the, maybe you're right. 10 days. Yeah. Because, and the whole thing with Pentecost is it happened, which is very interesting. You brought it up. You put Leviticus chapter 26, verse 13, which is talking about the feast of first fruits. And that's how we know when Pentecost was, because it was 50 mm -hmm. days after um, the Passover, because Jesus died you know, at the Passover. And then there's this feast that happens. 50 49 days plus old. one. Exactly. And so, but it's seven Sabbaths. And then the next day after those seven Sabbaths is when this, you know, this Feast of First Fruits begins, and the thing. And is, actually, this is um, this is the verse Thomas cites as supposedly evidence that Sabbath got changed. Exactly, but the thing is, it's saying there's seven Sabbaths that need to happen. So again, it's reiterating that mm -hmm. the Sabbath is very important, and even seven Sabbaths, God is pointing to seven because the seventh day and the number seven is very important to God, and we see yeah. that in the Book of Revelation with the seven seals and the seven last plagues and the seven trumpets, there's something important to God about the number seven. And we need to respect that. And the thing is too, um, you know, as far as the, you know, putting aside money on the first day, that's a church business meeting. <laughs> like, you know, just like, or, your or not even that. Yeah. What he's saying is, too, it's like, you, you don't save up for your tithe at the end. Like, yeah. You start your week putting away your tithe. Exactly. Make it the it, first thing you do. Exactly. It's a first day work. Um, yeah. And all these, uh, I think the last thing I wanted to bring up was, and then you say yeah. at the end that the Lord's day is Revelation chapter one, verse 10. That is not true. Um, no evidence of that. <laughs> there is no evidence of that. Jesus actually says, all it that says he is the Lord. Exactly. Jesus says in Mark chapter two, verse 28, that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. So that is not the first day of the week. I'm sorry. Yeah. Revelation was not given by inspiration on the first day. It was given on the seventh day Sabbath because the seventh day Sabbath is the Lord's day. So, you know, while I respect your thoughts and opinions, my brother, I have to respectfully say, you know, these are interesting. There are mentions of the first day because God definitely wants you to do work on the first day because in six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath unto the Lord thy God, in it thou shalt not do any labor. And I'm directly quoting his commandment. He wrote with his finger on stone that you read in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Um, and you really can't deny that. Now, one last thing I will tell you, though, um, as far as, you know, the, you know, did could God have changed the you know the seventh day Sabbath to the first day? Let's read about it in Revel or in Hebrews chapter four, because Jesus or Paul says something very very interesting um, in verses in Hebrews chapter four verses four through um, ten, and basically it says and unto Moses when he made an oh excuse me um, for he. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. Seeing therefore it remains that some must enter in, um, oh, excuse me, in verse five it says, and in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. So God is saying the seventh day is my rest. And verse six says, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, they to whom it was first preached entered not because of unbelief. So it's because of unbelief that people don't want to enter into God's rest that he said he set aside on the seventh day. And it says in verse seven, again, he limits a certain day saying to David today, after so long a time, as it is said today, if you will hear my voice, harden not your hearts. And verse eight reads or designates a certain day, limits a day. So for if Joshua had given them rest, he would have not afterward have spoken of another day. So if God was going to tell us that, hey, there's another day of rest, 
he would have spoken of it, but he didn't. And verse 9 um, and 10 go on to say, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God, the seventh day Sabbath rest he gave us at creation. And verse 10 um, just basically reads, for he who has entered into his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. And when did God cease from his works? On the seventh day, as it says in Genesis 2, 2 and 3. Again, <laughs> you know, God's saying there is a rest. It's the rest I gave you at creation. And if there was another day of rest, I would have told it to you. But no, there's not. And all these references to the first day just reiterate that this is first day is the day of work. It's not a, a day of worship. It's a day of work to do God's will, which is fine that you do the first day to the sixth day, but the seventh day is the Sabbath. And there's just no rebuttal against that because even in, like I said, as it says in Isaiah 66, from one new moon to another, from one Sabbath to another, so shall all come and worship before the Lord. And this is speaking of the new heavens and the new earth. And so I'm sorry. God doesn't change. Like I said at the beginning, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So um, anyways, Jay or Wendy, any other thoughts on that? I'm sorry if I beat yeah. <laughs> this to death. Well, what, what the last thing you said uh, made me remember. So it's not that necessarily, like, for example, Pentecost, it's 49 plus one. And this concept of like seven, a seven plus one, which mm -hmm. equals eight is a recurring theme in the bible so you look at the people who came onto the ark how many were there it was seven eight. plus one eight people it's like the new beginning for the human race and uh, i forget other examples of this but usually that's the example it's a new beginning is what it's talking about it's not mm -hmm. a new rest period it's not a completion of a cycle all these things are pointing to the beginning of a new era christ's resurrection oh. on the first day is the beginning of a new dispensation then the new covenant you know, the Pentecost coming on uh, of this is the disciples. Again, it's a new beginning of, of a new relationship, the, the Holy Spirit working with us differently than it has before mm -hmm. and with great power. So that's what we're seeing here. It's not necessarily even one. It's actually eight that we're dealing with the number in, in these situations or, or 49 plus one, 50. Yeah. And, and yeah, again, yeah. we need to, just because events happen on a day doesn't mean that change the day i mean we could look at other significant events in the bible and some happen on tuesday some happen on wednesday some happen thursday is god telling us now we need to do something on that particular day no not unless god specifically gave us a way of counting and saying on this day do something in particular mm -hmm. there's and times where he did that Mm -hmm. But again, when God is writing his 10 commandments with his finger in stone, and he's saying he's going to put these laws in our heart, that just doesn't change. Yeah. <laughs> like I and said, again, the, the commandment is to keep the, the Sabbath, mm -hmm. keep the seventh day holy. Mm -hmm. It's not making it holy because he made it holy back on the first That's week mm -hmm. on the seventh day. Mm -hmm. So just as the first day, the evening and morning were one day. That's a fact, God said. Um, the seventh day is the Sabbath. That's just a fact because mm -hmm. God said it was so, made it so because he separated that day. This day is now special. Yeah. And so. one last thing to just say, you know, and I have to say, you know, I do feel for my brothers and sisters who, you know, do keep the, you know, have kept Sunday as a, a day of rest for their lives. And, you know, that's been their tradition. It's been, you know, what they've known their whole lives. And I think it's very difficult to just be like, 
whoa, like what I've been doing all this time is not the right thing. You know, how could I have been wrong? How could my parents have been wrong? How could my pastor that I trust who led me to Jesus be wrong? And, you know, the thing is, it's not that, you know, obviously I'm not saying, you know, that your parents or your pastor are bad people or anything like that. But I think that sometimes traditions get passed down and they're, you know, they're not always biblical. And, you know, and actually that's where I wanted to go next too. Mm-hmm. Is that Daniel 7, verse 25, it talks about, you know, a lot of people recognize it as the Antichrist, and it says, He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and laws. Mm-hmm. Times yeah. and laws. Is there a commandment that is both a time and a law? Mm-hmm. There's only one. Yeah. And so... And, and we believe this has already happened. We believe Antichrist has already come. And he's still around, will still appear again too, but this this has already come to pass. And so, yeah, it's a tradition that people have been following for centuries, not because it was biblical, but because someone changed it mm. or thought they changed it, as the verse <laughs> says, think to change. <laughs> yeah, they'd like to. It's in their mind. Um, but yeah. And again, it's just so important that, you know, we choose the commandments of God rather than the traditions of men. Um, You know, Jesus Mm -hmm. talked about that multiple times, you know, that you hold fast the traditions of your fathers, but rather the, you know, than the commandments of God. And we really need to put God first and his law first, because that's what he said. And we love, if we love God, we keep his commandments. And, you know, I, I understand that, you know, this might be going against, you know, what your tradition of your family has been, you know, but you really need to come to a point where you say, you know, God, I'm going to follow you no matter what, no matter what you, the, you know, what the world thinks, no matter what my parents think, no matter what anybody says, I'm going to fa- follow God. And, you know, if God came to me one day and was just like, you know, Tuesday is my day. I know you got this mixed up, but I, here it is. I would say, you know what, Lord, this has been my tradition, but I will change what I have always known for you, because that's what you do when you, you know, love somebody. It's that pearl of great price. You know, you sell all that you have to purchase this pearl, just like the parable says. And it, that's what it comes down to with Jesus. Will you sacrifice all your past, your traditions, your culture for the sake of the gospel, for what God is telling you through his word? Because it is very important to him. It, you know, if it wasn't, he wouldn't have written it down. This is the only part of the Bible God wrote <laughs> himself. And so are you going to just be like, eh, it doesn't matter. We cast it away. You know, um, no, you can't do that. Not with God's word. And, you know, I always want to address, you know, people then bring up Colossians 2, 14 through 16, where it basically says, you know, you know, don't let people judge you with, um, you know, Sabbath days, but those Sabbath days it's talking about, it says those, that's a handwriting of ordinances. Those are the Levitical law. That's not the Sabbath day set apart at creation. Um, because obviously God, like we said, God is the same yesterday, today and forever. He doesn't change. And, um, his law doesn't change. It says those things, those things, those Sabbaths that were abolished were, were types and shadows of things to come. Exactly. Yeah, Sabbath those- is a memorial of things past. Yeah. of creation it's very true um so i'm sorry i know we're getting low on time do we have any other questions that are coming in that we need to address i think we have one more <laughs> i don't think so we have a comment from felipe oh okay said uh we put 
if we can get comment <laughs> there we go he says i mean amen to that amen so, well, thank you thanks felipe. for the feedback felipe we appreciate all right that. let's go ahead and get our next question up here in our okay. last five minutes all right so jennifer is asking if a vaccine has used the cells of an aborted fetus in its development can you explain why a christian or anyone should not take this vaccine and also if you know about how messenger rna could affect a person's dna all right so, do you want to jump on that jay or yes i okay. actually have many verses but um i'll try to be concise it's real short so if we look at romans verse 14 1 to 4 it talks about um it's in a different context about those who might be worried about eating food that had been offered to idols and does paul say oh how fall out both people you know the one who would eat it and the one who wouldn't no what does paul say he says he says in romans 14 1 to 4 that you know people should just act according to their conscience so yeah receive one who is weak in the faith but not to disputes over doubtful things you know so for the one who believes who believes he must eat all things but he who is weak eats only vegetables you know he's not going to eat the meat because he's afraid it might be offered to idols but um let not him who eats despise him who does not eat meat and let not him who does not eat meat judge him who eats for god has received him who are you to judge another servant to his own master he stands or falls indeed he is or sorry, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Let people act according to their own conscience. So if you're feeling convicted one way or another, act according to your conscience. Mm -hmm. God understands. He he, um, That's what he's looking for. But we need to make sure that we're acting on the right information. Mm -hmm. We need to be very careful as Christians to not be deceived. Matthew 24, 4, you know, what are the end times going to be like? Jesus says, first thing, take heed that no one deceives you. Mm -hmm. There's deceptions everywhere. You can't trust anything from anyone, pretty much. I'd say the only thing you can trust and believe is the Bible. That is the safest, only place you can find truth, and you've got to measure everything up to that. And when it comes to things are going on, like, for example, um, you know, the Johnson and Johnson vaccine did that. There's been allegations that that used uh, fetal cells. Is that true? Johnson Johnson has denied that. So I does that mean it's Johnson Johnson is telling the truth? I don't know. Does it mean someone else is lying about that? I don't know. None of us really know the facts, but the actual people involved, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So we got to listen to, again, what what are we getting from the Bible? If you're able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, just go with your conviction and and don't let people judge you and don't judge other people who are feeling convicted otherwise. And let's uh, another thing that's important to talk about and be mindful of, going back to deceit, Revelation 14.5, describing God's people and God's end time people, the ones who really restore the image of God restore God's reputation, show what it's like to really follow God. Describing them, the Bible says, and in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. So these people are not telling lies. They're speaking the truth. 
And it's very important that we as Christians, before we say anything, we make sure we are speaking the truth. So again, I'm not saying anything is false or not. That's for you to decide. But be informed. Do your research. Go back and look at actual original sources to the extent you can. Don't rely on just what someone has said, repeating what 50 other people before them said. We got to do our research, verify before we participate in any spreading of information, because sometimes we might be spreading gossip. So it looks like, let's take a look at Proverbs 26, starting at verse 20. It says, where there is no wood, the, f the fire goes out. And where there is no talebearer or gossiper, strife ceases. As charcoal is, is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles, and they go down into the inmost part. And Matthew 5, 9, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So who do you want to be? Do you want to be one who's risking being a gossiper, a talebearer, one spreading potentially false infor information? Or do you want to make sure that we're being a peacemaker, that we don't have deceit in our mouth? I think we, of all people, all people in the world, we Christians should strive to be the ones who are the most truthful, the most accurate with what we say, the most respectful and loving with what we say, and not try to be polarizing people, but finding ways that we can dispel conflict, put away, you know, put, we stand up to falsities too. Yes, absolutely. But we got to do it the right way in a loving way, a way that really, well, I mean, next verse, Titus 3.10. And I, I prefer NIV if we're able to put that one up. NIV, I like how it words it. It says, warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. And after that, have nothing to do with them. Like that's really the attitude we should have within our church and with people. Like, people who are just divisive, they're a problem. And it doesn't matter which side the divi of divisiveness we're talking about. Exactly. And and again, yeah. there's a there's a right time to stand up for truth. I'm not saying don't ever stand up for truth, but mm -hmm. what man are we doing it? Because Satan is all about division. Satan mm -hmm. is, we talked about last time, Satan is the one really at the core of pitting human against human and mm -hmm. nation against nation and ethnicity against ethnicity. We're playing Satan's game. We're falling into his traps when we engage in that. And we should mm -hmm. be with love, bringing people back together. With truth, being bringing people back together. With the help of the Holy Spirit working through us, bringing people back together. So, um, with the vaccine debate, you know, we need to be very careful when we pick a side there to make sure we're on the right side, we're giving the right information, and we are not being unnecessarily divisive, but really trying to, in love, respect, guide people into truth. But Act according to your conscience. Agreed. I think that's so important what you're saying as far as, you know, let people choose according to their conscience. And I think, you know, like when it comes to, you know, guiding people, you know, the Bible is very clear. You know, you if the Bible is clear on a point like, you know, thou shalt not murder. Yeah, don't, thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not steal. Don't steal. But when it comes to a vaccine, I mean, we don't know exactly what's in it. We don't, you know, like you said, we're not mm -hmm. the manufacturer. Um, and we can't judge people for trying to keep their bodies healthy. You know, we can't judge people's motivation in getting a vaccine. I mean, 
so I think it's up to you, like you're saying, it's totally a personal decision between you and God. You know, you pray about it, you do your research and you make your own decision, but you don't, you know, have to aggressively tell people how they should think or feel or act. You know, they need to, to do what's right in their own, you know, again, according to their own conscience um, and let them make up their own mind on that um, as far as that goes. Because, you know, I have family who's got gotten vaccinations and I know some people that are, are weary of it. And, you know, I like I only thing I would say is, um, you know, do your research and, and do what you think is best for your health. And I think that that's, you know, a personal decision. So I really appreciate you, you know, giving us that that really clear <laughs> biblical <laughs> point of view in that way. Praise God. I'm sorry, I probably didn't answer the question the way the person asking it wanted. That's okay. Uh, Jennifer, but <laughs> sorry, Jennifer, but I hope maybe it'll give you a different way to think about the issue. Yeah. And, you know, Jennifer, we, we love you. And, you know, we just want you to, again, you you get to speak your own mind and you know, we respect that. And we're going to respond in the way we feel. And, you know, I just pray that no matter what, we can respect each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, because um, that's really the bottom line. Uh, just you know, loving each other, respecting each other. Um, so with that, we are out of time. We are actually a little overtime, so we should go ahead and wrap things up. There's uh, unless you guys have anything else you want to add or say beforehand. No, I think you can you can wrap us up. All right. So again, we just want to thank everybody for joining us on our our weekly show. Again, we are every week Friday night at six p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you have a question you'd like answered live on our show, be sure to. Um, Plug it in to our website at bibleask.org forward slash live, and we'd be more than happy to answer your question live here on our show um, in the weeks to come. So with that, we'll go ahead and close with a quick word of prayer. Um, our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for your truth. And God, we just pray that the words we speak uh, would be words of truth and love, God, um, because you tell us, Lord, to speak the truth in love. So help us to do that every day of our lives. And help us, Lord, to lift up Jesus uh, and to glorify him. And may everyone be drawn to him, Lord. And I pray for all those watching and listening, God, that they would know that you love them and that um, they can trust your word and that they would follow your word um, no matter what that means, Lord. We just pray that we would all follow you and trust you. And, Lord, we pray that we would come together again next week to continue to study your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you again next week live at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, guys.